At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Watering hole attack draws its analogy from the water hole in a forest, where animals come themselves in search of water, even though there is a risk that predators are waiting for them at the watering hole. In watering hole attack, the attacker put pop-up ads, or browser add-ons, on a legitimate website, and waits for the users to visit the website, without knowledge of infected hyperlinks, or ads on it. Hello. Welcome to next episode of Get Certified Together program by Technocoff. Your free online knowledge sharing community. In this episode, we will be covering the next section of the CompTIA Security Plus Certification Exam. For Section 1 of the Security Plus Size 601 Exam. Threats, Attacks, and Vulnerabilities we will be covering various topics ranging from social engineering techniques, multiple forms of attacks, threat intelligence, vulnerabilities, and pen testing. Let me start with the concept of the threats. Threats to any computer system involve the use of various malicious software or malwares, like worms, viruses, or trojans. These malware can be installed on computers by exploiting vulnerabilities in programs installed on underlying operating systems. Let's try to understand commonly used terms related to the threat for any system from the security standpoint. First, we start with malware. So, what is malware? Well, malware is the software transferred and installed on end systems, without the knowledge of the system owner. They can be transferred as the attachment in the email requiring the user to click and open it for installation to be successful, or can move on their own inside the web network. If malware requires user intervention to transfer, they are categorized as viruses. While, if they move in a network on their own, they are termed as worms. Another form of malware is Trojan, which gets inside the user system, disguised as genuine software. All malware serves different specific purposes, once installed in the system. They can deliver unwanted ads, termed as adware, or work as snooping software, termed as spyware, or encrypt data for ransom, termed as ransomware, or use device processing power for mining, termed as cryptomalware. Additionally, we have two more malware purposes, which are created either by the developer or the system owner themselves. First is backdoor. Backdoors are software code written to provide root access to the system, even when passwords are changed. 
The second is logic bombs. Logic bombs are malicious software code, written to execute only when specific conditions are met. Rootkits are another form of malware, which can hide, while actively performing administrative changes inside the system. All these different types of malware are commonly asked in Security Plus exam, and it's very important for aspirants to learn and understand the differences between them. Now, we know what is a malware. But, even a malware first needs to be created, and transported to internet, or intranet. Who is responsible for this? We use the term attackers. For the people responsible to create malware, or using them for attacking any organization. Threats to an organization's can come from various types of attackers. Insider threats are users working inside organizations, with some level of access already to the systems. Insider threats can use the privilege escalation techniques to get access to the system, to which they are not supposed to have access. Hacktivists are attackers, who try to attack organizations with the idea of activism, or revolution behind the hacking. Script kiddies are the newbie attackers, with little to no knowledge or experience of hacking or attacking the systems. Attackers can also be well-funded, working in big teams, to conduct cyber warfare against a nation-state. They generally use APT, or Advanced Persistent Threat, for conducting their operation. In Advanced Persistent Threat, attackers work silently, use different attack techniques, and have time on their side for conducting large-scale damage. How? Because they have money, and the backing of an enemy state. So far I told you about malwares, created and used by attackers, for conducting cyber attacks. But every message, needs a medium to transmit. In info security, attackers also need a medium, or path, to spread malware. Attack vectors are the path used by the attackers to spread the malware. Emails. Social media. Pen drives. Credit card readers, and open APIs are a few of the attack vectors, used in the modern world. Spoofing is one of the common attack vector, used to inject the attacker, into the conversation path of two parties. With rising cases of cyber attacks, and different sorts of threats to any organization being reported daily, it is important for the info security team to have a record of all the treats reported worldwide, and how they may impact their organization. Threat Intelligence is the method of gathering information about the latest threats from different sources. They may use the freely available sources, also termed as Open Source Intelligence, or OSINT. They can also refer to vulnerability databases, which can help companies identify threat indicators, and further spread information about threats in the industry, using common language frameworks like STIX, or Taxii. Now, we know various terms related to the threats. We know what is malware, and the attackers who use them, from the attack vectors. But, any threat cannot be considered service impacting, unless it's actually transformed from a simple threat, to an actual attack. Any sort of threat to the users, and the systems in the info security, can lead to financial, or reputational loss, or both. Before proceeding, do remember a simple relational statement, in the words of my friend Lucy. Attacker exploits vulnerabilities to attack any organization, creating threat to them. Thanks Lucy. Now, most commonly used attacks involve social engineering techniques. 
From the name itself, we can assume that social engineering techniques involve humans, and their social nature. For example, we may have system users, or employees, either deliberately or unknowingly spreading malware, leaking information, and compromising the security structure of an organization. Because they are being intimated, influenced, or simply trying to be helpful. Let us explore a few commonly used social engineering techniques. We begin with identity fraud. In identity fraud, the attacker may try to impersonate innocent users to access their accounts. For example, an attacker may be calling customer care of a service provider, using a technique called pretexting. In pretexting, the attacker does extensive research on users' personal information, and later represents himself as the user, loaded with all information. Spamming is another social engineering technique. Spam is a generic, email-based social attack, where an attacker sends junk emails to the users, to sell products, or unwanted donations, newsletters, etc. Before I tell you about phishing shortly, remember that spam is only used for spreading unwanted information. So it is relatively less dangerous, compared to phishing. In phishing, the attacker may send emails with hyperlinks to the login account, or change the account password, with a technique called prepending. In prepending, tags are added to the email to make it look legitimate, and trustworthy. Spear phishing is a more advanced form of a phishing attack, where attackers target a specific company, or department of government, for extracting information or placing worms in the system. Whaling, is a subset of spear phishing attacks, where targets are executives, or C-level employees of a company. Another form of social engineering attack is, farming. Farming is used to extract account login information from users by sending them to the fake website, and waiting for them to key in their credentials. Farming uses two forms of techniques. Typo squatting, in which the attacker purchases similar sounding domain names, make a fake website landing page using them, and then, waits for innocent users to commit a typing mistake, while writing website addresses in their browser. Another technique is DNS poisoning, in which the attacker modifies DNS records, to resolve a genuine FQDN with its own web server's IP address. This makes users open a fake website with a similar look and feel, to a legitimate website. Watering hole attack draws its analogy from the water hole in a forest, where animals come themselves in search of water, even though there is a risk that predators are waiting for them at the watering hole. In watering hole attack, the attacker put pop-up ads, or browser add-ons, on a legitimate website, and waits for the users to visit the website, without knowledge of infected hyperlinks, or ads on it. Now, as I said before, the social engineering attack involves actual human beings. Hence, there might be scenarios where attackers can actually show up physically in the front door of an organization, to commit the attack. They may try to check the user's devices, to get their account information while they are working, also called shoulder surfing. Or, they may check discarded waste from the dustbins, to get vital documents thrown carelessly, also called as dumpster diving. Tailgating is another physical technique, where attackers may simply enter any building, walking behind a designated employee. Passwords, are one of the most critical security elements. Unless, we use IM and MFA techniques, which I will discuss in the next episodes, password-based authentication provides a single point of access to any system. By default, 
passwords in an operating system are hashed, before they are stored. Yet, the attacker may use different techniques, to break into the system. In the brute force attack, the attacker exploits the habit of using short, commonly used passwords, by simply guessing them to access any system. The dictionary attack uses a similar approach, where dictionary words are used, to guess any password. Rainbow table attack is a more advanced form of attack, where the attacker has pre-computed hash values, and uses them directly, to guess the password of any system. Password spraying is another scenario of the brute force attack, whereby, instead of attacking a single account, the attacker tries to break inside multiple systems, with similar commonly used passwords. Thus, password complexity is one of the simplest, yet strongest forms of remediation against password attacks. Password policy for any organization must force its users to have periodic mandatory password changes, stop the reuse of old passwords, ask them to create complex passwords, and block user access, in case of multiple failed retries. By now, you might be getting an idea of attackers, attack vectors, and threats caused by them. But, recall what Lucy said, attacker, exploits vulnerabilities, to attack any organization creating a threat to them. I still haven't talked about the vulnerabilities, so let us roll in. Vulnerabilities can impact systems in three different ways, confidentiality or data breach, integrity or data modified, and availability or data access denial. CIA triad here is very important, whenever we talk about info security. Vulnerabilities can be present in the configuration of systems, architectural designs, or even part of the supply chain of the hardware, or software. For determining which system have what vulnerability, it is important for the info security team, to have a list of all the systems in a network. List of all systems, deployed in the company's intranet is vital to ensure a regular, and full vulnerability scan, using any third-party software like the NES USBA scanner. This list is called an asset inventory. A vulnerability scan can be performed at the network level, configuration level, or application level, depending on the standard and policies set by the organization's info security team. The impact of a particular vulnerability on the system can be analyzed based on three criteria, its impact, likelihood, and criticality. Based on the result of the scan, we can categorize vulnerability as false positive or wrong positive value and false negative or wrong negative values. Scan viewpoint of a VA scanner software is important to visualize and understand how a vulnerability may impact the system. A scanner placed on the internet can provide a viewpoint of vulnerabilities from a hacker's perspective and a scanner placed on the intranet can provide much more detailed information on vulnerabilities. The reason behind this is, the VA scanner on intranet has no firewall on way to access the systems. SCAP, or Security Content Automation Protocol by NIST, provides a rating of the vulnerabilities found on the systems. The most commonly used SCAP components are, CVSS or Common Vulnerability Scoring System, and CVE or Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures. CVSS assigns a score to each vulnerability out of 10, based on the criteria like attack vector, attack complexity, privileges required, and user interactions required, along with the impact of the vulnerability on the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of the system. 
CVE is used to describe the vulnerability and recommended remediation for it. One very important concept, regularly asked in the exam is zero-day vulnerability. This is because not all vulnerabilities can be found in the existing CVE database, because they may be reported recently, and still have no remediation solution to resolve them. These zero-day vulnerabilities are critical, since existing antivirus solutions may not know how to identify and fix them. Another very important topic, which you may find in the exam is penetration testing. Penetration testing is the process of conducting hacking attempts on the systems, by a third-party pen testing vendor, after signing a proper rule of engagement, row, with all stakeholders. Pen test is conducted in two phases, discovery phase, in which the pen tester performs the active or passive reconnaissance, to find maximum information, and prospective vulnerability in a system. This is followed by the attack phase, where the tester tries to gain access, escalate privileges, install hacking software, and perform non-recommended changes. Pen testing can be performed either by providing complete information about the end system, also termed as white box, or no information about the end system, also termed as black box. An organization may choose to conduct a mock attack scenario by creating an adversary red team, fighting against a blue team, which is a team of cybersecurity professionals working to defend against the attack. A group of professionals called the purple team is made up of both the red and blue teams to maximize feedback and improve capabilities via knowledge transfer. Finally, the white team acts as the judge, enforcing the rules of exercise and handling all requests or questions during the activity. This brings us to end of the episode 2 of the Get Certified Together podcast from Technikov on the CompTIA Security Plus exam. In episode 3, I will proceed to the next section of the exam, Security Architecture and Design. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.